Welcome. My name is George Mann, and I'm the writer of Newbreen Hobbs, Witchwood, and Star Wars The High Republic. This is Kevin Shinnick, writer of Star Wars Force Collector. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you are listening. To Star Wars Comics in Canon, the Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 135. So my friends, we're here for more High Republic Phase 2 content, and we are finishing off the Marvel comics written by Kevin Scott, so we are tackling Volume 2 of the High Republic 2022 Marvel comics for Phase 2. Now I tackled the first volume in episode 126 of Star Wars Comics in Canon, and they take place around the time of the Battle of Jeddah. I would recommend listening to my review on the Battle of Jeddah that was released a couple months ago, and also listening to my overview summary of Path of Deceit, or you can read Path of Deceit and listen to the audio drama version of Battle of Jeddah. And the events of these comics do take place before Path of Vengeance, which is the last piece of content in Phase 2 of the High Republic, chronologically to my knowledge. But we don't have to worry about that for a number of weeks, so let me just give you a brief on what I do here if you've not joined me before. So in short, I go through the plot details of these comics in chronological order, and then along the way I give you additional information on certain things. Sometimes it's trivia, sometimes it's character information, species, planets, things that are connected to other pieces of content, just to widen your understanding of the Star Wars canon while giving you the plot details and things of these comics so you don't miss out. But I would always urge people to pick up these comics where you can, support the creators, and although I do go through the plot details here, I do leave certain little bits and pieces out. There's lots of dialogue that's amazing. Obviously, the artwork is fantastic, so I always encourage people to please pick up these comics, read them where you can, because they are fantastic. So with that in mind, let's delve in. So as this is in the High Republic's second phase, it is set 150 years before phase one, and phase one is set around 200 years before the Phantom Menace. So that means these comics take place approximately 382 years before the Battle of Yavin, which is when A New Hope takes place. Now, as I said in the start, these comics, the Marvel High Republic Phase 2 comics released in 2022, they are all taking place around the time of the Battle of Jeddah. The first five seem to be just before the Battle of Jeddah, and then these five I'm tackling seem to be just after it, there, thereabouts. I know the Battle of Jeddah took place over more than like a day or two, but that's generally where it sits. And Path of Deceit, Convergence, and Quest for the Hidden City all take place before these comics. And then Cataclysm, Quest for Planet X, and Path of Vengeance all take place sort of concurrently to the events of this comic. Path of Vengeance, I would strongly recommend people read after this, because there is a character that pops up in Path of Vengeance, and their appearance is after what we see here. So let's delve into the comic information itself. So Kevin Scott wrote all of these comics. Frank William is the colour artist for all of them. And then the artists is split a little bit. So we've got Ario Anandito as penciler and Mark Morales as inker on issues 6, 9 and 10. Then for issue 7, we've got Andrea Bracado and Marika Cresta, both as artists. And then for issue number 8, we've got David Messina, who is just the artist. Issue number 6 was released March 8th, 2023. Issue 10 was released 24th of May, 2023. And the trade paperback collection is due to be released August 22nd, 2023, which is within a week of this episode coming out. 
With that all in mind, let's delve into the crawl for issue 6, which is the first of these five issues. Death has come to Jeddah. Spurned by the convocation, Worth Pluth, herald of the path of the open hand, takes to the streets to incite a riot. As he speaks, a nameless terror sweeps over the crowd, sparking horrific visions in anyone capable of touching the force. Nearby, masked raiders break into the Temple of Kyber, giving disgraced Guardian of the Wills, Tay Sirik, the opportunity he needs to escape his prison cell. His liberty proves short-lived, as the Guardian-turned-thief is forced to protect those who had locked him away. Meanwhile, Jedi Vildar Mac tries to help those trapped in the collapsing almshouse only to get buried himself when explosions shift the building's foundations. And during this time, Olivia Zeveron and Master Libon race to protect the gigantic statue of a Jedi warrior that has stood silently in Jedi's frozen desert for centuries. But they arrive too late, and the statue begins to fall. So the comic starts with Tay Sirek talking about the statue falling. So the statue itself is called the Final Protector. It seems that there were several protectors, but over time they've fallen down for whatever reason. But we actually saw the ruins of it in Rogue One. In Rogue One, when we first saw Jeddah, you can see the giant statue laying down on its side, and it was caused by the Battle of Jeddah. We see a few panels of the Battle of Jeddah and what's going on on the streets, and we actually get to see Salandra show briefly. She is in the Battle of Jeddah audiobook, which I have tackled on this show, and she is also the master to Rupa Natani. Rupa is the central character for both of the junior slash middle grade novels, and those are Quest for Planet X and Quest for the Hidden City. I've released my reviews for both of those, so if you want more information on Salandra Show and Rupa, check those out. So at the statue, you've got Olivia and Libon. Libon is quite calm at the situation, but Olivia is incredibly angry at the thuggers or rioters who actually caused the statue to fall. Matty then comms and notes that Vildar is stuck under an almshouse, holding up the rubble in place. And then we get to see him doing this, and we see a pathmender stuck under the rubble, blaming Vildar for this, while he's also trying to save their lives. However, there is another member of the path that does seem to defend Vildar. While this is all going on, Tay Serik is fighting off a thief who is looking for the Rod of Daybreak in the Guardians of the Wills, Kyber Temple. The leader of the Guardians of the Wills, Oakclain Viss, saves Tay and then says to lock down the whole temple and then Tay is put back into binders and then he questions Oakclain Viss's decision, asking who exactly he is guarding, these little statues? So a few things to break down there. So the Rod of Daybreak is one of the items used to control the leveler as well as the Rod of Seasons. You put them together and it makes you have utter control over the leveler slash these nameless creatures. It is detailed a little bit in Quest for the Jedi, which is the one-shot comic I tackled in the last episode of Star Wars Comics in Canon. It's also mentioned in Phase 1 of the High Republic. It's how Markeon Rogue controls the leveler. I believe you see it in The Rising Storm and then again in Fallen Star. And then we also get a bit more about it in Phase 2, in Path of Deceit and in Path of Vengeance. Now, I did describe the protagonists in the prior volume of the High Republic comics, but that was a little while ago, so just as a brief reminder, Matty is a red-skinned Twi'lek. Her full name is Mattia Cathley, and she is Master Libon's Padawan. Vildar Mac is a human. He has a white tattoo across his face. And then Tay Sirik is a purple Sephi. Sephis have not really been in canon that much. They've been in Legends a little bit as well. I delved into all of that in the prior volume, but they just have a lot of interesting abilities and things. And we go through and explore some of those throughout this comic. And then I mentioned Oakleen Viss as the leader of the Guardians of the Wills. He is a Farleen species. So they were made famous either in the Clone Wars because they make up Black Sun or Prince Caesar in the Shadows of the Empire in Legends. They are green-skinned humanoids. So back to Vildar who's holding the rubble in place. He is thinking of when Master Lati saved him from the Sorcerer of Tund 
who was exiled for using the dark side of the force, he uses those thoughts to try and help him continue his force connection because it's incredibly strenuous holding up all the rubble for an entire building. Then help arrives. Taysirek, Matty and the Guardians of the Wills, they all come and help start physically removing the rubble and then they decide to start chanting the mantra of the Guardians of the Wills to try and give Vildar more strength to help him lift up the rubble from underneath. And the mantra that they chant is, I am one with the Force, the Force is with me, which was made famous outside of the universe by Chirrut Imwe, played by Donnie Yen in Rogue One. Fortunately, them doing this gives Vildar Mac enough energy and strength to remove the rubble. They then note that they need a place for the wounded, and then Vildar Mac thinks of the bar enlightenment. They get there and Craydon says that it is closed, then Vildar Mac quotes Craydon back to him, noting that it's a haven and sanctuary. They take the wounded closer and closer, including some wounded path members, and that is where issue 6 slash the first issue of this collection ends. So before I delve into the next issue, a little bit of information about Enlightenment. So Enlightenment is a tap bar. We first see it in the Battle of Jeddah. It is in the short stories which were featured in Star Wars Insider and the collection of those is going to be released later this year. It's going to be Tales from Enlightenment, all written by George Mann. And Enlightenment is also seen in the Path of Vengeance. Craydon is a Villa Randy. He's like an insectoid bug person. He's only a few feet tall. I haven't seen these species anywhere outside of the High Republic and... His forename is Craydon Minced. He's the owner of the bar, and then he's also got a couple of people with him that I'll delve into very shortly. So let's delve into issue seven. So Vildar and Matty press Craydon to try and let them in because a mob is approaching. Craydon reluctantly agrees so long as the Jedi can defend enlightenment from the mob slash rioters. So all of the wounded go inside, and then Vildar, Mac, Matty, and one of the bodyguards stands outside. Now the bodyguards for the enlightenment bar are called Delphine and Camille. They are sisters and they are Gluvians. So Gluvians are large, purple, bulky species. They look like what a stereotypical bouncer, I suppose, would look like. You know, no hair on their faces or head. Very sort of stocky, but very big. Like a brick wall almost, but alive. And this species are seemingly only in the High Republic from what I can see, apart from one comic of Star Wars Adventures from 2017, issue 21, where there's like a speeder race, a swoop racer race. And I believe that was written by Kevin Scott. So seemingly he created Gluvians. But yeah, Vildar, Mac, and Matty are outside with the bodyguards, and one of the mob members then throws a rock at Vildar, Mac. He easily disposes of it, but then one of the bodyguards shoots their weapon at the person who threw it, and then a shootout occurs. Walls all around them is being hit by blaster fire, and then Vildar, Mac uses that opportunity to bring the rest of the wall down to distract the rioters and kind of block the path while they hide inside. So inside of Enlightenment, you've got all of the people there. People are panicking, especially one of the archivists. So archivist Ferric Oranali is actually someone who is of note, but I'll give you more information of them towards the end of this, as there are some spoilers for Path of Vengeance. So everyone is panicking, and they turn to Vildar Mac for a plan. Meanwhile, Olivia Zeveron and Libon are at the Great Protector, and Olivia wants to return to the city to try and help people out. So they check the speeders, but the speeders have been broken by the collapsing statue. Lebon wants to stay, but won't say why they want to stay. And then some armed and masked thugs approach them. So back at Enlightenment, Vildarmac wants to stay and help the wounded, and Tayseric is mad because Vildarmac doesn't seem to actually have a plan. Representative Tana of the Sorcerers of Tund is thrown through the back door, which none of them seem to know even existed, bar Craydon and the bodyguards, and then some enforcer droids emerge, firing out. Vildarmac manages to defend using his lightsabers, and then Craydon activates some energy shields, which covers up the hole in the back door. 
So the Enforcer droids look like they're almost predecessors to the KX series. The KX series, you'd know that from K2SO from Rogue One. We saw other KX series droids in Andor. We saw it in the arc where he goes to the prison. I believe when he's on the planet of Nyamos is when he gets picked up by a KX droid and like slammed against the wall and choked and things. So they kind of look a little bit like those. And they were put on Jeddah by the Graphs, who are paid for by the Path. And that is detailed in, I believe, the Battle of Jeddah, and then spoken about more in Path of Vengeance. So after being thrown through the back door and fighting off those droids, Tana is wounded. I mentioned the Sorcerers of Tund, they've been in Legends, they've been in Canon, and they've got some connections to all kinds of different things, but I did give quite a bit of detail to them in the episode 126, so go back and listen to that if you want even more information on the Sorcerers of Tund. Now after all this is going on, Tay starts to believe that the riots may be connected to the thieves who are after the Rod of Daybreak. Then Matty notes that the Rod of Daybreak was just a myth. It was like a legend says it's in this secret vault on Jeddah. The archivist is like, well, what vault? I've never heard of this. And Matty's like, well, yeah, it's a secret. Hence why, if it does exist, no one has actually heard of it. Field Mac then seems to be holding something back. So Tay and Matty press him. And then he notes that the Force user that caused him all this trauma, we've seen flashbacks of it at the first volume. We saw a little bit of it earlier in the prior issue. But the person who did that was a member of the Sorcerers of Tund. Then Tana says that he knew this individual because he was exiled for using the dark side of the Force, so he does not represent the Sorcerers of Tund, which does seem to give Vildar some degree of comfort. Tay then asks Vildar why he doesn't sort of go out into the streets and use his power that he's been using because obviously he's very strong in the Force, and he notes that when the Force is abused, innocents die. And then Olivia Zevron comes to them, notes that the raiders attacked. Her Force connection is hurt, it seems to be damaged in some way, she can't really think straight, and she's lost her lightsaber, and Libon has lost her lightsaber too. They're still at the final protector, and Libon seems to know something about the statue that she isn't telling. Tay's theory then comes to light even more, and he realises that the riot's cause in Jeddah were just to cover up the theft from the Great Protector, which may be where this vault is. Vildar then asks Olivia if she's hurt, and then she is stabbed through the torso by a lightsaber wielded by one of the raiders, and that is where issue 7 ends. So issue 8 starts with Olivia Zevron is down in front of the Great Protector. Then, in the Enlightenment bar, they notice that Tay has seemingly left through yet another secret passage. I say yet another because none of them were aware of the back door that Tana got thrown through. Now they found another secret passage, and obviously they didn't know about the energy shields that Kraden had as well. So it's clearly, there's a lot of secrets around Enlightenment. So the secret passage that Tay left through has a vermin problem. And then we see Tay going through it. And he's approached by a handful of giant rat things that attack him. He manages to KO one of them with the Cephi pheromone thing, and then more and more rats start to show up. And these rats are giant, I must add. They are six-eyed rats, they have loads of teeth, they seem to be about the size of a very, very large dog, if not even bigger, and the term for them is a dune scratcher. Not sure if that's the official term or a slang term, but they're essentially giant alien rat things. Vildar Mac then shows up, manages to pull one of the rats off of Tay, and then tells the rats to go back to their nest with some convincing through the force. Then Matty, as well as the others, show up just behind Vildar, and they note that Kraden is protecting the bar with a very large gun. The passage isn't structurally sound, so they continue through it with speed, and then explosions throughout the city continue, and it starts to make the walls shake more and more until the integrity is gone, and then there is a cave-in. Tay manages to dive at Vildar, pushing him out of the way, and then the rocks that fall in go between Vildar and Tay, and then Matty and all of the wounded individuals. Seemingly, no one is hurt by this rock slide. Tay asks Vildar if he can just move the rocks, and Vildar says if he moves them, it's going to risk another cave-in that's even worse, so 
They just have to go their own ways. So Vildar tells Matty she's strong in the Force and in spirit, and that she needs to protect these people, including Craydon and Enlightenment. Vildar and Tay then go off, continuing down the passage. So they get through the passage, and they come out at the Fallen Statue. They manage to find Olivia Zevron, and then Vildar Mac asks Tay to try and use his Morikrow slash pheromone stuff to try and put her to sleep, because she's in too much pain to put herself in a Jedi healing trance, and he can't do it to her either, so he asks Tay to do so. He manages to do this and then tells his little orb droid Scoot to stay with her and protect her while they go in and investigate the vault. So Tay and Vildar enter the vault and then Vildar Mac feels darkness surrounding him and then starts to hallucinate. Then they can hear Yana Roe and Worth Plouth, the Herald, then talking about things. They seem to have obtained the Rod of Daybreak and then they combine it with the Rod of Seasons and it makes this staff that can control the leveler even better. So they decide to test this out by putting the rod onto Libon. The leveler gets incredibly close to Libon and then the Herald pulls the leveler back slightly using the power of the rod. The leveler does so and does not maul Libon and he is content showing that the power of the two rods combined truly controls the leveler. And then he allows the leveler to get closer and closer and she starts to calcify aka turn to stone. And that is where issue 8 ends. So issue 9 continues right from there and we see that the leveller fully consumes Libon and calcifies her. Yana said well that should be enough now we can leave and Worth starts to question her. Vildar is barely holding himself together, he is just shaking in fear, he's hallucinating, Tay is trying to move him in things but all Vildar seems to be able to say is that he knows nothing and he's like spiralling out. So Tay pulls out a weapon, a light bow which is commonly used by the Guardians of the Wills. He then aims it at the Herald, and before the Herald can notice him, he answers a comm. It seems that they have company, and before they can ask who the company is, two fellow raiders, members of the path, then show up and then attack Tay. He's then getting beaten up quite a bit by these people, and so calls over to Vildar Mac, but Vildar is unresponsive. He's still like shaking to himself and hallucinating inward. Tay manages to find a gauntlet. He puts it on and then shoots this lightning beam thing out of purple energy at the raiders who attack him. That seems to somewhat snap Vildar out of his haze and Vildar says it's part of a Bogan collection. Vildar then drops his lightsaber, still just unable really to function, and Worth, Pluth and Yana hear that and decide to send the leveller at Vildar. I just want to mention the Bogan collection. Now the Bogan collection is one of my favourite things about the canon at the moment. So it's first talked about in Dooku Jedi Lost, which is an audio drama created by Kevin Scott. And in essence, they are dark side collections. So in Dooku Jedi Lost, it was the one. And then since then, we know of two other Bogan collections. Both have been mentioned in the High Republic. One was aboard Starlight Beacon in Phase 1. And then the other one is here on Jedi in the hollowed out statue of the Protector. Now, Bogan is another word for the dark side of the Force. I know that Ashla is another name for the light side of the Force. And then in the Coruscant Archive, you had quite a few cool artifacts, including Darth Krull's lightsaber, the Mask of Momin, which is in a lot of Charles Saul-centric content. He's in the Darth Vader 2017 comics, the Lando miniseries, and does pop up elsewhere. You've also got some artifacts from the Sorcerers of Tund and a few other bits and pieces. And I just love any of those dark side artifact stuff. It's really, really interesting. And it's cool that as the High Republic goes on more and more, there are more Bogan collections coming to light. And in fact, the one in Starlight Beacon was actually where the Great Progenitor was put, which is the big bad hive mind thing of the Drengear from Phase 1 of the High Republic. But back to the Enlightenment bar. So Matty is there, and the shield is being shot out by these Enforcer droids and things, and she's trying to work out a plan. She then decides instead of just waiting for the shield to inevitably break, she's going to go and be on the offensive. So she slices at the shield generator and goes towards the droids. 
Back in the vault in the dunes of contemplation, where the Great Protector is, the Leveller approaches Vildar Mac, who cannot feel the Force. Worth then notes the power of the rods, and then lets the Leveller pounce onto Vildar Mac. Tay then shoots off of the Hand of Siberus, which is the gauntlet thing he put on earlier, which shoots out the energy, that's the name of it, and it severely wounds the Leveller. Tay somewhat sort of calms down and powers down the gauntlet, and then Yana Rose shoots him in the chest. He then collapses and is not responding, and Vildar's again been snapped out of this haze, likely because the leveller has been severely wounded, and so Vildarmac gets up and grabs the hand of Cyborus as Worth ignites two green lightsabers that he clearly took off some Jedi, and Vildar fires the hand at Worth and yells, to hell with the Force. And that is where issue 9 ends. So we move on to the final issue of Phase 2, High Republic, Marvel Comics, number 10. So it starts with Tay narrating. He almost died, and it was another Sefi trick. They can actually stop their heart for a minute or two, and so that's why Vildar especially thought he was dead. Tay notes that he feels different after wielding this peculiar Sith artifact, the Hand of Cyberus, Siberus, however it's pronounced. And then before he can really get up fully and start walking, he then gets kicked by Shia, who is one of the members of the Path of the Open Hand. Tay and Shia then start to tussle and fight, and Shia calls out for Yanaro to help. So Yana attacks Tay with the rod slash the staff that's got both the rods on it. He then grabs one end of it, pulls it off her, she holds it firm, and then he breaks part of the rod off. So he is now holding the rod of daybreak, and she's holding like a staff with the rod of seasons at the end of it. But then the leveler attacks him. Yana then receives a comm from Marda Rowe, her cousin. Marda and Yana are the two central characters of Path of Deceit and Path of Vengeance. They're both Everenis, and they are both the ancestors, it seems, of Markion Rowe from Phase 1 of the High Republic. In the com to Yana, Marda notes that there is an attack, and it seems to be someone trying to kill the mother. Now we get to see what this attack actually is. We see it in Cataclysm from sort of the Jedi perspective in a lot of ways, and then we see it in Path of Vengeance from Marda's perspective. It's called the Night of Sorrows. It is some of the best written stuff I've seen in Star Wars, both in Cataclysm and in Path of Vengeance, but especially Cataclysm, written by Lydia Kang, is absolutely fantastic. The whole Night of Sorrows is so intense. But because Yana receives this comm and notes that Worth Ploof, the Herald, is trying to fight off Vildar Mac, but is very clearly being beaten, so Yana decides to leave with Shia, and then the Leveller gets up and follows them too. So the Herald is getting like thrown around and beaten by Vildar, who's using the hand of Sibirus, Cyberus, and is throwing him around, shooting lightning at him and stuff like that. And the Herald is now on the floor, and Vildar Mac wants to kill him, seemingly under the influence of this hand, the gauntlet, the Sith artifact. Tay manages to talk him out of it. There's quite a lot of dialogue in that part, but it's quite heartwarming and quite nice. So Vildarmac finds himself again, throws the hand aside, and then the Herald starts to mock him. So Vildarmac uses the Force to throw him against the ceiling. Then we go back to Matty and Tana in the streets. The riot slash the battle has started to subdue. Ujeda is now calming, even though there is smoke and fire and destruction everywhere. And Vildarmac shows up, bringing out the Herald. The Herald tries to turn the crowd against the Jedi once again, is trying to say that look what they were trying to do, they had this hidden vault and all this stuff, they've been lying to you, and Tay notes that the path actually seemed to cause the riots, all as a smokescreen so that they could steal the rod. Vildomat confirms to Matty that Libon is gone, and he holds up part of the rod, which is the rod of daybreak, believing that it may be the cause of the force disturbance, still not fully understanding what role the leveller had in this. Vildar Mac then notes he wants the Convocation to study the rod, he wants all the Force users to see it and try and give their two cents on it. So he first gives it to the Archivist Oranali, who is part of the Guardians of the Wills. 
They note that the Herald will stand trial, and Vildarmac wants to clean up Jeddah and try for this Festival of Balance, which was mentioned right at the very start of all these events. It's part of what caused the riots in the Battle of Jeddah, along with a few other bits and pieces. I delve into all of that in my Battle of Jeddah review. And so they all decide to start cleaning up Jeddah. So the final panels of this comic show that during the clean, Vildar Mac is now a member of the Convocation. He is also Matty's new master. And then Vildar actually asks Tay to be a representative on the Convocation as a non-force user. Tay accepts graciously, gives Vildar a big hug and is crying saying thank you. You know, really means a lot to me. And Vildar says no, thank you. And that is where the comic ends. It's a nice high note after a lot of darkness, especially if we take into account the Battle of Jeddah. So a couple things just to note here. So the archivist, Ferric or Anali, I mentioned there's something about them in The Path of Vengeance. So this will be a minor spoiler, but the way The Path of Vengeance is kind of set out is in three parts. The first part is like around the time of the Battle of Jeddah. The second part is around the Night of Sorrows. And then the third part is after all that stuff. So in the first part of Path of Vengeance, it's noted that Oranali actually betrayed the Guardians of the Wills because the Path paid him a huge amount of money so that he could tell the Herald where the Rod of Daybreak was and then the Herald does kill him. So the Herald escapes prison at the start of Path of Vengeance and kind of sets off even more events into motion that I'm not going to go into here, but I will be tackling in my plot summary in the Path of Vengeance review, which will be out in the next few weeks. I also mentioned the Path member Shia. Now Shia is also in the Path of Vengeance and is with Yana for quite a lot of the book, I seem to recall. So it may be loosely worth remembering her name, just she could be like, oh, I remember them. I will also note that Olivia Zevron and Matty both show up in the Path of Vengeance as well. So if you really enjoy these stories, I would say that the Path of Deceit and Path of Vengeance work very perfectly with these comics, but all of Phase 2 is really interconnected in such a brilliant way. I've genuinely loved it. Obviously, you can check out my other High Republic content. I've tackled all the other pieces of High Republic Phase 2 content, aside from the manga Edge of Balance President, which I will be doing soon. The second volume of the High Republic Adventures comics, written by Daniel Jose Older, released by Dark Horse. There's those to do. There's obviously the short stories, Tales of Enlightenment, but I'm not going to do those till later on in the year when the collection is released. And I have to do the Path of Vengeance book review. So I don't actually have that many to go until I'm finished with Phase 2 of the High Republic. And Phase 3 kicks off, I think, one of the first comics comes out in sort of October time. And then I think November is when the first full novel comes out. And I believe George Mann is kicking it all off. So very excited about that. And I should have all the Phase 2 content, bar maybe the short stories, all completed and tackled in this podcast before Phase 3 kicks off. So what else is going on with me? Well, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Genuine Chit Chat. There's videos of various things on there, as well as previews of stuff I'm doing and collaborations and snippets from Genuine Chit Chat. Loads of great things there. And you can obviously subscribe to my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Genuine Chit Chat. Every single episode of Styles, Comics, and Canons on there. Every episode of Genuine Chit Chat's on there. A lot of them with video as well. And there's a few other bonus things in there, whereas I've been on guest spots, that sort of jazz. Also, everything on YouTube is in playlists. So it's the perfect place to start if you're a new listener. You can listen to all my High Republic coverage, everything featuring like Darth Vader, Dr. Afra, really anything you want, including all the Genuine Chit Chat episodes with all my Star Wars interviews, including with Kevin Scott, author of this, as well as my conversation with George Mann quite recently with Claudia Gray, and I have got more planned in the future. In addition to that, I've done a couple of guest spots. So I was on Star Wars Timeline to talk about Ahsoka, all the way from Clone Wars up to the Book of Boba Fett. So link to that will be in the description. 
I was also on Reckless Rebellion, which is Tom Rochester's podcast, or at least a podcast he does with a handful of other people. He's been on the weekly discussion shows I've done for Andor, and I think he might have been on one for Kenobi as well. But we've interacted via Star Wars podcasting before, and he kindly had me on his show, along with a chap named Nathan, and we talked about the nine main Thrawn books. That's the Heir to the Empire trilogy from Legends, the Canon Thrawn trilogy, and then the Canon Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy. We all have like specialities and what we know the most, and so we spoke about that at length. I think the conversation is about two and a half hours long, but it's absolutely fantastic. In addition to that, Rebels Reviewed Episode 4 slash Season 4 has just been released. So myself, Dave and Math, we all spoke about that. I think I released that last week, so that was the finale of Rebels. And we also have a bonus Rebels episode recorded with Megan, and we talk about the series as a whole and also focus on how the series connects with the Ahsoka trailer, the main trailer for Ahsoka, what our hopes and expectations are, and some theories of the show going forward. So that should be out in the next week. In addition to that, I am going to be doing the Ahsoka weekly discussion shows. So for seven full weeks, we're going to be tackling the eight episodes of Ahsoka. Obviously, the first date in which an Ahsoka episode drops, we get two in the premiere. So very, very excited about that. That will be released on my YouTube channel as well as on the feed of Comics in Motion. So make sure you subscribe to both of those so you do not miss the Ahsoka discussions. Make sure you check out the show notes for all kinds of great details and information as well as links to everything I've spoken about. Last thing to say is that if you want to review this show on its own feed of Styles Comics and Canon or on Comics in Motion, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods or Audible, or you do just a rating on Spotify at a five, if you screenshot yourself doing that, send it to me via email or send it to me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat, and I will send you a free episode of Afterthoughts of your choice. It can be one of my Legends book reviews, it can be one of my Canon book reviews for like Thrawn, it can be really whatever you want, but please review the show, rate it, do all those things, it really, really helps the show out, and then let me know you've done it, and then I can send you a Afterthoughts episode as well. If you want to support the show even more than reviewing, you can share it on social media, you can tell your friends, or you can support on Patreon or Coffee, or if you're listening on Spotify, you can subscribe to that as well. But I think that's enough for me, my friends. Make sure you subscribe if you're on YouTube. Please hit that like button if you're listening on YouTube as well, because it does help the show out greatly. And, you know, comment, tell me what you think. Contact me on social media if you want to ask any questions or anything like that. And yeah, just thank you for listening as always. I'll speak to you next week with whatever I end up doing, but I really appreciate you listening. And as always, my friends, may the force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.